Hello, everybody, and welcome to Navigating the Noise, a podcast series brought to you by CHPA, the Corporate Housing Providers Association, with support from ASAP, the Association of Service Department Providers. I'm Brian David Johnson, your futurist and host for the podcast, and with me I have... And I'm Marianne Passi, the CEO of the Corporate Housing Providers Association, or CHPA. So before we get started, I wanted to welcome everybody to season two of the podcast. We've made some changes this season. Probably most noticeable is that we're in a studio. Marianne and I can actually see each other. We can. Hi, Marianne. Hi, BJ. <laughs> so you're also noticing that we've made some other changes. Probably the most noticeable of those is that we're going to do video of the podcast so you can watch us as well. And you'll also be able to see many of our guests because they're going to be calling in via video chat. Well, we'll still have some people on the phone like we did in the previous season. Additionally, we're going to be releasing each segment as a standalone video. And just like season one, you can find infographics and resources, including white papers, uh, on the CHPA website. So let's get started. This is episode seven of Navigating the Noise, where we're going to look at customers of tomorrow, shaping the future of demand desires, and decisions. So the idea here was that we had done this before. We had looked at sort of the, the workers of tomorrow, the workforce of tomorrow. But in this, we wanted to start go a little bit deeper. Let's start to look at when it comes to the desires and the demand of customers and people who might be uh, clients, what it will drive them? What will it actually be like? What will sort of shape their decisions as they move into the future? Everything that I'm hearing from member companies is saying that convenience for the customer is going to drive the business and it needs to drive decision making. So from everything from the booking process throughout the entire guest experience, it needs to be convenient, it needs to be simple, and it needs to be driven by tech. So as we do in all of our episodes, we'll examine this subject from multiple angles. We'll get different perspectives and ideas about the subject in general, but then also how it might apply specifically to the future of corporate housing and longer term rentals. The podcast is broken into three segments. The first is called The Road Ahead, where we'll explore the kind of big futures research, looking outside the industry at the larger picture. And to do this, we'll bring on a guest that's doing some interesting work that might be working in this sector so that they have an idea and give us some, some new visions for this area. Then in the section of What Matters, James Foyce uh, from the Association of Service Department Providers, or ASAP, and I have gone out to find corporate housing providers, service department providers, and partners actual global thought leaders in our industry, uh, to bring you the realities of what's important to you and your companies. These are people like you who are taking this information, using it, and putting it into action. And then our third and final section is called Three Things to Do. And here we discuss pragmatic actions that you can take today to prepare for the future. And with that, let's get started. This is section one of the podcast, The Road Ahead, where we look at larger futures. And so as we think about the consumers of tomorrow, Marianne and I are going to look at the road ahead and think about their impact on shaping the future of demand, desires, and decisions. Now, we've explored this in other areas. We, last season, we looked at millennials and Gen Z and what they might mean for the workforce, but we wanted to look at it more from a customer's perspective and how will they be tech savvy and what will they want. And we also want to look at how are they working? What's the way that they're working? Are they more collaboratory? Are they more participatory? Are they more, uh, what are those desires? What are the things that they're going to want? Now, also, will they want convenience? Will they want a press button? Will they want food at the press of a button or service at the press of a button? And also, what are their cultural values? What drives them to make their decisions? What are the things that are going on underneath that they might not even be aware of that are leading them to make these decisions? We also want to explore, well, where are they, where are they working? What do those spaces look like? Are they more like home spaces or more like workspaces? But then also, we want to remain pragmatic. That's what we do here on Navigating the Noise. And we need to also understand that a lot of the consumers of tomorrow are actually the consumers of today. And we need to not make too many changes. So to help us drill down and get a little bit more clarity on this, Marianne and I have brought on a guest. We want to welcome to the show Julie Jensen Bennett. She's the CEO of Precipice, a strategic consultancy based in London. She and her team are experts in how people's bodies, emotions, and relationships are changing, and how to use this strategic foresight to transform emerging science and technology into product pipelines for the future. So we want to welcome Julie Jensen Bennett 
back to the show. Thank you so much for coming back on Navigating the Noise. It's so wonderful to have you. It's so great to talk to you again and to see you this time. Yes, Thank very you, good Julie. to see yeah. you. Very good to see you. And, and you were in the UK where it is, mm-hmm. it is a little later in the day and you're, it's a little yes. rainy, but we really appreciate you calling in from the UK. Not a problem. So as you know, Julie, on this episode, we're looking at the consumers of the future and what, what are their demands, what are their desires, what will, will drive them and kind of thinking about that. And that specifically is, is work that you do, that you and your team do is looking into that notion of desire and looking at what kind of drives consumers and what will drive people. So Marianne and I wanted to just start off the conversation to say, well, for you and your team, how do you think about this decision-making process? You know, how, how do people desire something? How do they create that demand for it? And then how do they go about making that purchase happen? And it could be anything, right? Anything from pleasure goods to buying pencils. How does, how does your team think about that? I am so glad you brought up the word desire because that, it's not a word we talk about in business very often. But if you think about it, desire is probably the most important human function after breathing. Because, you know, sure, we can, we can survive without food or water for a few days, but if you don't desire anything, if you don't have a drive, if you don't have any longing, you're, you're existing, but you don't feel alive. And, and so it, it's, it's very deep, it's very personal, the, these desires. Um, but not all desires are the same. We also have all of these desires that we're told that we should be having that are imposed on us from, from outside in, from products, from services, from advertising, from other people, the things that we see around us. And so we're, we're constantly navigating the situation where we have these, these very deep personal desires, which probably if you think back to like when you were a child and the dreams and the aspirations that you had for yourself and your future, you, if you think about those and can visualize those, those probably start to, to remind you and give you a hint of what some of those very personal desires that you have are. And then all these other desires competing for our attention. And, and so the situation that we find ourselves in is, is really one of with overload, of overwhelm. And, and that's, that's what drives the decision-making process that we face um, as, as consumers today in this world of desire. Oh, so you say, so one way that we can think about this is that we are, we are overwhelmed. We have a plethora of desires. There's mm-hmm. so many things that we could desire out there. And that really the editing function is that decision-making process that we desire far more than we could ever purchase or far more that we could ever do anything about. And that decision-making process is a way of us to kind of navigate through all of those desires and then actually turn that into a purchase or decision. Yes, but I, I think to be even more specific, I would, I would say that we not only have to navigate all those desires, but we have to differentiate between the desires that we, we truly have from within ourselves and the desires that we're told to have. So it's, 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 it's more complicated than even just making a choice, but, but we also have to, to make distinctions in those desires um, over time. And what is the, the mechanism for doing that, Julie? I think I know that your team yeah. does a lot of research in that of, of those priorities and also in not just, I mean, everything from personal, but then also it moves into business. It moves into lots of different areas. What how do how do people how do people navigate and prioritize that? So I think the decision making model that, that's easiest to visualize here is like a compass. Um, that we're, we're kind of navigating through life and there's a needle and uh, we, we can kind of see how far away we are, how close we are to, to our true north. And you, you feel it in, in, in different ways. So when you, when you encounter a, a product or a brand or an experience that aligns with, with those, those deep and true desires, pretty much the only thing you feel in that situation is joy and gratitude, maybe relief, right? But, um, but it, it has so much meaning and value to it that, that it, it's almost difficult to put a price on it. Um, where when you're buying into the, the desires that maybe aren't as, as close to your, to your true north, you start to feel more fear, more guilt, more anxiety, um, and and uh, you know the pressure starts to build up, and and you 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 know when you sense that something is, is kind of going wrong, and so it's it's those vibrations, it's it's that degree to which the the things that we're buying or consuming are, are resonating with our with our with our truer desires that that helps us decide over time, um, you know where to go and what to focus on. So I wonder, and, and chime in on this, Marianne. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's interesting, and you know, that could be a, a 
a helpful way for our listeners to kind of think about it is to actually just ask that question. What is your true north? Whether it be mm -hmm. an employee, whether it be uh, a customer, an understanding, you know, that being a shorthand for understanding what are those desires and those understanding that those desires and that decision nation is, is multi-layered. But you need to find what drives them. What is that true north? Because ultimately, they're always going to kind of go back to that. Absolutely. And I think that's how uh, member companies are uh, trying to hone in on the decision makers. So not only what is the true north of their brand, and then how they connect that with the uh, with the wants and the desires of the decision makers. So you know, Julie, back to a point that you were talking about um, being overwhelmed by the choices. Um, that that's what they're seeing: clients being overwhelmed by the choices of housing. And so, what fits with, um, if not their desire, at least their um, their their preferences and their goals with what they want to experience so a lot of the words and the terminology you're using i think are resonating in what members are trying to recreate and and something that's very important to people and where they live and where they sleep and where they're going to be if they're not in their true home um, where they're going to be temporarily and how they can mirror that um, to to make the most and the best of their experience yeah, that's a that's a great point, and I think and I, and I like Julie what what you brought into this conversation because it goes deep, right? I think most mm -hmm. people would say, well, what drives a customer or what drives somebody? It's, a, it's the mattress or it's you know the location, but it's more than that, and that's what Julie's talking to. Right, it's more it's, basic than that. It's much deeper, right? Mm -hmm. at, at a very human level, because right. we are talking about desire, and it could go up to affordability, and it could go up to a lot sure, of the other things that we think of. Mm -hmm. But I think if we start saying, well, okay, let's think about where things might go. How are you making sure that you're customer oriented or you're making sure you're meeting their needs that if you can understand their true north in a really deep way it's not only a, a, a conscious thing and I think that's Julie I think that's what you're saying and, and please I, I'd like to hear what you say it's not just conscious that if you find that true north the vibrations that they're feeling are actually going to move them in that way almost in a way that they can't even help Exactly. It, 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 it happens both at, at a level of awareness, um, but also unconsciously. And uh, one of my favorite ways of describing emotions is as human relevance detectors. So it's when you start feeling stuff, when you start feeling the guilt or the anxiety or the fear or the joy or the gratitude, that's telling you to pay attention to this because it's important. And, and so we, we sometimes talk about emotions being secondary, but if, if you pay attention to those emotions and so to, to what they're, they're, they're pinging attention to, that is going to give you enormous insight into where you're going to deliver value to your customers. I have to I have to write that down. Human relevance factor, Julie. You, you <laughs> always you you never disappoint when you come on the podcast. So let's 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 take this out forward. Let, let's wind this out. So, uh, okay. you know, in the in the work that you do, you uh, have this deep understanding. You know, you and and your team has this deep kind of human level understanding of people's wants and desires. Um, so as you see things moving out into the future, right, we, and this is one of the things we talk about all the time in navigating the noise is, so where do you see things going? If we start thinking about customers and humans and that, that true north, where do you see things moving in the future when it comes to those demands, those desires, and then also people kind of actualizing that, turning that into actions or purchases or those types of decisions? So where do you see things going? Well, as 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 is normally the case when you start thinking about the future, it's useful to think about the past first. And, and so if you, think, if you think back over the past kind of 200 years, one of the huge themes of, of that time has been this massive increase in these externally communicated desires. You know, the Industrial Revolution started, started this whole ball rolling by massively increasing the number of goods that we had access to and the places that those goods came from. And then, you know, fast forward through through the internet and social media, and we can we can see, we can lust after, we can even feel that we own products that we've never physically interacted with. So so it you know, gone from a relatively limited number of things that we could desire to this to this vast array of things that we can desire, which is is what we're talking about in terms of this, this overwhelm of 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 choices. Now, freedom and choice, those are good things, right? You know, the degree of individual liberty and self-determination that we experience, is, you know, I don't think anybody wants to go backwards. Uh, but we also recognize that sometimes all of this choice isn't good for us, that the fear, the anxiety, the pressures make us less functional, aren't always in our best interest. What is 
so amazing about human beings, though, is we are a learning, resilient, homeostatic system. We, we are designed to keep balancing and rebalancing ourselves to stay functional. And, um, and so what is happening, what we're seeing very clearly, you know, across people, across countries, and particularly in younger generations, is that people are getting much better at recognizing their, their more personal um, inner desires versus the external desires. They're able to, to see that difference much more clearly, and they're able to understand and articulate the role that brands and products and services are playing in, in that way. So, so basically, as the number of, of choices that we're, we're making expanding, our ability to discern amongst those choices is improving. So do you think that it's do you think yeah. it's been mediated by technology? Do you think that that sort of deeper understanding of self and that deeper understanding of what is possible is it that expanded choice again that is it a, is it a counterbalance between those two? Do you think that technology is a driver of that? I I think that technology is certainly a player in in everything that, that's happening, but I but I think here it's it's not about technology for technology's sake. I think what technology helps us do is realign the economy around different value drivers. Because now, if you know your inner desires, your true north, it might not be. It's not going to be entirely unique, but it's very personal and it's very individual. And it means that the value of a product or service is completely incomparable between two people. You know what you are willing to pay for something um, has nothing to do with what I'm willing to pay for it. Um, as we get more in tune with with those personal desires, and and so where the economy was previously aligned around delivering kind of mass desire, mass scale at at commoditized prices, now um, it both can is and must realign around delivering much more personalized value to these individual desires. So technology, uh, technology, yes, has helped driven the choice, but technology also helps companies deal with this change in value so that they can deliver much more personal value to people in a, in a, in a more precise way. Yeah, and that's that, that idea of saying that, that, that personalization and understanding or, or speaking in some way to uh, that single person's true north that if you can do that, if you can have that ability, that that is something that's going to draw people to you. And it's mm -hmm. going to draw people to you, to, as you said, Julie, it's going to draw them to you in a very deep way where they may not even mm -hmm. be able to know why they're engaging with your brand. And especially if it has to do with their body, if it has to do with physically where they are, it has to do with mm -hmm. food, it has to do with that connection. I know your team has done a lot of work with the, the body and how the body sort of exists in this sort of modern world. I think that's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Yeah, I think... The other point that, that kind of comes to mind with that is that as people become much more explicit about their understanding of the desires, they, they, they master their own desire and they refuse to be told by other people what those mm -hmm. desires are. So kind of people's tolerance for having brands tell them this is who you are and this is what you want. Um, is rapidly diminishing. You know, I think we all see those trends happening, but it, it, it you know, it, it, it's very, very true. People, people are going to say, you know, I decide what I want, and I decide what your brand means to me. You don't tell me that, and and really shift the power relationship and take back control in that relationship. So, really, is it Julie about participation? It's about participation and enablement, participation in the process. You know, making sure that that the the consumer or the customer or the employer, or whoever you're kind of working with is the person, <laughs> the person is actually empowered, yeah. <laughs> is actually empowered to be a part of the process, mm -hmm. to be a part of doing it, that that again, because of, as you say, technology, but also awareness is that's becoming not only a nice to have, but it's something that is going to be required as we mm -hmm. move into the future. And not only participatory, but they're actually actively engaged. I mean, I right. guess it's the same thing, but they're just not a part of the process, but they're actively um, making choices that are influencing the process. Right. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. I think it, it, you know, it sounds like a really subtle distinction, but the one you just made there is, yeah, empowering, you sort of sound like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm giving you something. I'm granting you a little bit of power in this. And really, um, you know, consumers, people, human beings are demanding the power. They're taking the control back. They're, they're going to tell you what, what to do for them. And, and so really, uh, you know, rethinking that power relationship. It's challenging. But the brands who do it, the you know the services that engage engage in it that way and give up power, actually you gain a lot of power by giving up the power. 
Well, Julie Jensen Bennett, we always love having you on the podcast. You never, never disappoint. So emotions as a human relevance factor and making sure that in all of your customers and everybody and all the people you're dealing with, if you can find their true north, that they'll actually come to you and may not even know why. We always love having you on the podcast, Julie. Thank you so much for coming on. Great to chat. Thank you, Julie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the What Matters section of the podcast, where we take the broad futures that Marianne and I have just explored and figure out what matters to a CHPA and ASAP members, as well as corporate housing and the longer-term rental industry. James Voice from the Association of Service Department Providers, or ASAP, and I have gone out to find corporate housing providers, service department providers, and their partners, global thought leaders in our industry, to bring you the realities of what's important to you and your companies. So these are people like you who are taking this information, using it, and putting it into action. So Marianne, you and James always go out and get us really, really interesting guests that really help us illuminate and, and talk to the audience about, again, what matters around these futures. So who did you, uh, who'd you find for us today? Well, we have a great guest for us today. Uh, Vladimir Dziziak is currently leading delivery of global mobility programs within the U.S. and, glo- and globally uh, in Fortune 100 finance industry sectors, uh, and he's based in Boston. Um, he's worked in six countries and speaks five languages, and in his role, um, he's responsible for supervising the mobility delivery team in delivering exceptional mobility and immigration services to employees and business stakeholders. He's wow. got a lot of experience wow. to share so, so, Vladimir, welcome to Navigating the Noise. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. So, Vladimir, so in this episode, we have been exploring kind of around things around kind of decision making and kind of consumers and customers of the future and demand and really kind of digging down into that. But we wanted to ask you, in, in your cor- current role, how do you think about the decision-making process? You know, how do people desire something, create a demand for it, and then make that happen? What, what are you seeing? In my opinion, I think um, the current decision-making process is really contingent upon two basic factors. One being uh, demographics and all factors regarding the demogra- demographic, bo- both of the decision-maker and the customer, as well as the environment where the decision needs to be made. Um, from the business perspective, I feel that the leadership style and hence the decision-making process really depends on the actual experience, but also on the generational aspect itself. Uh, my corporate HR experience shows that there is a certain tension between traditional and rather conservative approach in the industry, I mean, finance, insurance, represented mostly by senior executives versus clients, so internal clients, employees, and their actual participation on the decision is rather different. Our clients, internal or external, do expect very quick turnaround, prompt prompt response, not as definitive rather than response, which is often subject to change, meeting their immediate needs and constantly changing needs of the customer. Um, So I feel that traditional multi-stage approach of a decision-making process, so problem statement, information gathering, identifying a lot of alternatives, is rather fluid, combining all different multi-stages into probably one or two stages and become more a judgment call. So really, desire becomes immediately an accomplishment. Oh, so very interesting. So you're you're seeing a, a, a bit of a tension between sort of different folks who are kind of involved in the process or are not involved in in the process, um, which is 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 interesting. So the actual process of of decision making itself, Marion, what what have you seen in that in that area? I've heard other members talk about the tension as well, and so struggling a little bit in trying to meet the, um, I think um, Vladimir referred to it as fluidity, Um, so meeting the immediacy of the needs and how they can meet those needs, yet their processes are still a little bit on the traditional side, so they're they're challenged with um, marrying those two a little bit better, and so they're they're solving it in a variety of ways. Well, that's, so... So, Vladimir, I would want to ask a, a follow-up on that. So, when it comes to sort of those processes and not changing them, so the mm-hmm. processes might be, you know, processes that are more set up for the past and not really Correct. the future. Why, why do you think it's difficult, Vladimir, for them, for people to change those processes? I truly believe that traditional approach of really decision-making processes will really multi-stage. So, especially if we talk even about different generations, 
um, it was really truly define the problem statement and trying to get as much information and gather as much information as possible and then evaluate a lot of alternatives. Then, of course, um, probably putting a list of pros and cons for each of alternatives. That's a really traditional approach. However, I see even with my internal customers, often, of course, there is a, there is a time pressure, time constraints, also expectation of flexibility and really a quick turnaround. I think that's the main factor of these decisions being more being more a judgment call. We as HR professionals, we probably don't even have sufficient time to evaluate all of the alternatives if we want to support our internal customers. So I see that, that there might be certain attention or kind of adjustment on how we define the decision-making process specifically in the human resource area. Right, so those external pressures that really being mm-hmm. able, what, what's driving that. So, well, but I mean, let, let me ask you then this as a as a as a as a as a carry on from that. So, what are you, what do you see changing in the future? So, how do you see that these sort of these demands or these desires or as you say those decisions and those decision making process? So, as you look to the future, how do you think that's going to change? Mm-hmm. Um, as I mean, mentioned before, I think um, the traditional decision making process, which was truly a multi stage, people took much more time to evaluate alternatives, gather the information, um, is now becoming rather a quick judgment call where simply require a quick reaction. There is simply no time to go through the tra- traditional ev- evaluation to probably do a sociali- socialization of, um, of the policies within, uh, within different stakeholders rather than rely more on the judgment call in order to meet the expected quick, quick turnaround. Um, hence, I believe there is issue to be resolved and often a solution, which might need to be flexible and, and, and changeable as well, um, which might be taken even up front before taking into consideration all the different aspects or alternatives within the policy or within the, within the HR programs as well. So really, you see things being, again, a little bit more rapid, much more inclusive, certainly, mm-hmm. getting more and more. And, we, and again, we've, we've talked about that quite a bit as we start to think about is that, that diversity of input can be really, really helpful for organizations when you're doing that decision making. Uh, are you seeing, uh, Vladimir, that the employees just want more, um, in terms of uh, more of a great, or greater role, I should say, in the decision-making process? So not only do they want more, uh, a quicker turnaround, but they want more say in what uh, the process is or what their options are? It's a very good question, Marianne. Um, yeah, they definitely want to be owner of the decision-making process. They don't want to only rely on the company employer or all the support function to give their give them the alternatives, but they want to actually, and they often come actually with proposing their own solution, their own alternatives, mm-hmm. and they want to make a decision, which of course in compliance, it's in line with the program, but they want to own that their own decision, which, of course, in the global mobility areas, we see as well that people want to own their own program. That's why we are moving towards, let's say, a a lump sum approach or traditional core and flex um, policies and benefits because people want to be owner of their own decision because, because, as I mentioned, because of the time constraint, but also Mm -hmm. they want to own what company is giving them and they want to be responsible for their own decision um, in a greater manner. Yeah, and you can begin to see that that openness, that flexibility, even that that ability to own the process and make changes in the process, you know, especially in this sort of global future where things are moving so much faster, that that really would be a way that that things could go that could be really really helpful. Mm-hmm. Well. Well, Vladimir, listen, we want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I think your your perspectives and, and really getting into those details is really, really important and very helpful. So thank you much, so much for being on the show. Thank you very much for your invitation. I appreciate it. Well, in this episode, we are looking at the customers of tomorrow. And to do that, Marianne, who's, uh, who's our next guest? Who did you find for us today? Well, BDJ, we have Stephen Hanton on the line with us, and he serves as the Chief Executive Officer of Seiko, the service department company limited. And so Stephen joined Seiko in 2013, and previously he served as Managing Director of Europe, the Middle East, and Africa at Bridge Street Worldwide, Inc., and also as their Chief Operating Officer at Bridge Street. That's great. Well, Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming to coming on Navigating the Noise. Hi. How are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Well, listen, 
As we mentioned, we are looking at the customers of tomorrow in this episode of Navigating the Noise. And so, Stephen, in your current role, how do you think about the decision-making process? Um, how do people desire something, create a demand for it, and then make that happen? What are you, what are you currently seeing? Well, um, I think the decision-making process is, is very similar in that people are, people are remarkably the same. I think the, the environment is changing rapidly around it, rapidly. So technology is making decision-making. It's providing a lot of greater choice. Um, so what we're seeing is, is a huge demand for, um, for uh, service departments with, with uh, full-service full uh, facilities, so hotel-style facilities. So we're then creating a product which is meeting that demand sort of filling in the gap between hotels and uh, traditional corporate housing. And so and so with that are you seeing the change on the on the customer side or are you seeing changes or Marianne what what are, what are you seeing out there are there are there different shifts in demand or how people are making decisions? Well, I will say that personally I've gotten very spoiled by staying in corporate housing or service departments globally. <laughs> um, so like a hotel just does not cut it anymore for me, Stephen. Um, but uh, yes, I'm seeing that people want, I don't know if it's the full service amenities, um, but they want to live like they live at home when they're traveling. Um, and so I think that's what you're meaning, Stephen, when you're talking about full service amenities. So they're coming to the apartment, but they want to be able to access everything else and, and live the way they um, they live when they're traveling, when as if they were at home. So they want those comforts. And I think we're hearing that as a trend that's coming through all of our interviews today. Yeah, and I, th- I, think, I think it's it's not that we're saying anything. Airbnb, for instance, has radically changed the viewpoint of the mm-hmm. mass market for apart hotels or for, for apartments. And they're not saying anything differently than we were saying 20 years ago. Uh, um, you know, that stay in a hotel or live in an apartment, etc. I just think that the consumer is much more aware of the option and the technology is now providing those options in a way that it wasn't existing 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Oh, that's interesting, Stephen. So you're saying that, that you know, people, you know, uh, you've been saying this and seeing this for a while, but now the awareness has been sort of raised up, whether it be through folks like Airbnb or just technology in general or advertising in general, that people have this idea that that, that capability or that desire or that want is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the as we've always seen it. We've seen it for 20 years. We open a property and it fills almost immediately. Uh, a block of, of, of service apartments or apart hotels, they fill almost immediately. So the demand has always been there, but yet the issue traditionally had been that there wasn't a supply and there wasn't the awareness across mm-hmm. the mass consumer market. And I think now the mass consumer market is, is, is becoming more and more aware because of the, the lead of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And technology then floats into its supply to deliver uh, that product to those people. And so what, what created that change, you know, what was the tipping point in it all probably was, uh, was Airbnb uh, that we're seeing over here. But it was in the ability to move out and to mass market our products. Um, but I think there's been, a, there's been a desire all the way along. Um, and it's technology which is enabling um, buyers, our buyers, to uh, buy our products more easily. Yeah, I see. Yeah, and, and that, that sort of mass market, I think, is, is interesting and really interesting as we, as we then move into the future. So, Stephen, what, what do you see changing? So if this has always been around, but now it's moving into the mass market and we're seeing more, what do you see changing in the future? How are, how are those demands and desires and that decision-making as it goes mass market and as things continue to change and we have more technology? What do you think will change in the future? Well, I think um, the service department business will cater to wider segments, first and foremost. So traditionally, it's been a finance consultancy project relocation sort of um, business. I think it'll, it'll start to appeal to more leisure, um, more business transient or leisure transient uh, guests. So I think it will, it will satisfy the needs Groups, for instance, have never particularly been been a large focus area. They will become more more predominant to staying in, uh, in, in our, the product that's being designed. Uh, the other factor that's um, that's changing is I think the product will will change. So um, a number of 
companies, us being one, are putting in in place a modern travellers apart hotel, trying to put in the um, not the millennial generation and not the hipster set, but a, a cooler place to stay, as it were. And you're seeing with this with Bridge Streets mode, with our lot property, with Day City's uh, life, uh, eccentric wild um, properties. So I think the product is is. Um, moving forward, and I think there's going to be greater brand identification with service departments and with apart hotels. So what will really, really drive us into a mature business phase will be um, uh, consolidation around brands. I think. Yeah, and I think that well, that would make sense as you, as the the desire goes up, the demand goes up as you move out of the kind of as you said, corporate or finance into the more mass mainstream, kind of like what Airbnb and, and other folks like that are hitting, that that brand yeah. becomes really, really important. And I'd be interested, Stephen, to ask, so how do you think those brands need to evolve? Because mm-hmm. as you say, in the past, it comes from more of a, of a corporate approach. And as you move into the, the mass market, that brand would have to evolve. How do you think those brands and even those experiences would need, would need to evolve in the future? Well, I think um, first of all, in order to have a have um, a brand recognition, I think you've got to have product out there in the marketplace. So, um, uh, we're, we're pushing very much pushing in in the UK uh, and across Europe the uh, the concept of apart hotels. So, a block of 100 or 200 units with a front desk and probably an outsourced food and beverage and co-working areas, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I think the more of those products we get in mainstream cities uh, across Europe, then the greater the brand recognition will be. So we're pioneering a lifestyle um, apart hotel brand called Lock. Um, but I think behind that will come in other brands, an economy brand, um, a more urban retreat uh, star brand. And people's perception will start consolidating around around um, those brands. Mm, yeah. So the the physical property, the experience that you're crafting for the for the people who are staying in it, that helps to kind of evolve that brand. And as you say, you get as you start to mature, you get different levels. And as what mm-hmm. we do with most the maturation of brands, you have brands that appeal yeah. to different people in different areas. And that yeah, this is very interesting as you think about what consumers will desire and how they will make that decision. Um, Marianne, what, what, what are you seeing in that area? Well, I think the important point of what Stephen just said uh, across brands, regardless of brands, the sharing economy and all of all of that brought whatever brand that might be um, that you're talking about, it has brought um, alternative accommodations outside of hotels to the awareness of people. So uh, whether it be consumer or business travelers, they're just now realizing that they can say somewhere else other than a traditional hotel, regardless of the service level of the of whatever's being offered or the brand level. So it's it's really helped the service department, apart hotel, um, corporate housing um, sector. So yes, I'm seeing that uh, many companies uh, are, are creating these uh, varying types of um, products and services that they're offering to try and get all of try and hit all areas of demand. Right. So as the as the market grows and as the um, the demand grows mm-hmm. and as the, what the consumer desire grows and gets more nuanced, you mm-hmm. can actually see that just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more opportunity. Yeah, certainly that's a that's an interesting thing. Did you do you have a comment there, Stephen? Yeah, I, I think what's interesting is if you project it then forward five or ten years. I mean, we currently have hotel conferences, service department conferences, apart mm-hmm. hotel conferences. I think what we'll be seeing in five, ten years' time is accommodation conferences, uh, where you join up all all elements of, of uh, accommodation, in, and and your you know the, the consumer will be able to buy a hotel room, he'll be able to buy a service department, he'll be able to buy. 20 people in a project in Lagos, et cetera, et cetera, um, all from one consolidated place. And certainly what the buyer wants to be able to do is they want to know who they're dealing with and uh, they want to be able to have transparency and they want to be able to buy, um, have options on price wherever they want, uh, whether it's um, you know, a one-bedroom apartment in, in, in Lisbon or whether it's a part of a part hotel in, in London. So I, I think the consumer is really going to push us to um, 
fast track our, our brand presence mm. and our alternative to um, uh, alternative accommodation presence. Yeah, you can definitely see again as that that widening market, and mm-hmm. you have the consumers' desires being able to push that, and again making it bigger and broader, and having different products to kind of meet their needs. But definitely a an engaging uh, and actually very optimistic vision mm-hmm. for for the future, certainly. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on Navigating the Noise. We we appreciate you uh, calling in and uh, giving us that vision for the future. Thank you so much. Well, Marianne, we've had. A lot of interesting perspectives from guests as we're looking mm-hmm. at the, the future customers of tomorrow. Uh, who do you have? Uh, who's our final guest? Our final guest is Shri Kare, and he serves as the Vice President of Information Technology for Oakwood Worldwide, responsible for the applications, infrastructure, and operations for the company. Uh, before Oakwood, he also led the digital transformation of classic party rentals and has led go- global teams in the U.S. and Asia. Excellent. Well, Sheree, welcome to uh, Navigating the Noise. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's good to be here. So on this episode, we are exploring exploring the customers of tomorrow. We're looking at demand, desire, and how people kind of make these decisions and how they make them happen. So in your current role, how do you, how do you think about the decision-making process and how do people desire something, create a demand for it, and then make that happen? What, do you, what are you seeing in your role? Sure. So the corporate traveler of today really is quite a bit different in their decision-making process than the traveler even just a few years ago. Uh, As the technology has evolved, um, this notion of immediacy uh, in decision-making is really becoming quite quite a bit more significant. Um, As an example, we're seeing our number of days booked uh, in advance drop pretty significantly from 15 days down to less than seven. And then this combined with average length of stay reductions really has required us to rethink uh, the entire booking approach uh, all the way through the entire tenancy. Um, This is one reason we're investing pretty heavily in our online booking capabilities and establishing more and more of our properties uh, through the online channels and available for real instant uh, booking. Um, This need for gratification extends all the way from uh, the booking out to the tenancy. And one of the things that we've been doing is figuring out how best to digitize this entire uh, journey. Uh, One solution has been through our mobile app, um, which makes the entire tenancy a lot easier to manage. It gives them uh, real-time access to their apartment information, the Wi-Fi codes. Um, They can share the reservation information. Um, and even communicate directly with the property managers. Uh, So these are really just no longer nice-to-have services. They're essential to compete in today's corporate travel industry. So as you're seeing the the length of stay go down, you're also seeing the immediacy go up, and what you're doing in your organization is using kind of technology as a way to meet that, not only from a booking standpoint, but then also sort of all throughout the process to help streamline it and help make it – make it more kind of meet that desire for immediacy, and but also that, that, that shorter term desire as well. That's right. And you're seeing this in you know, everything that you do um, as a consumer, right? So whether it's ordering through Amazon and having next day delivery or um, checking out movies on Netflix, all of that stuff is driven by the whole notion of immediacy. Yeah, and it seems like Marianne. Uh, see if I'm right. Is that that this is this is a trend? This is a trend that we're mm-hmm. seeing more and more and more, driven by technology, but also by consumer demand. Absolutely, um, that's what I'm hearing members say, and uh, over and over that customers want more than ever, and they want it consistently and constantly and immediately. So I think immediacy, as you um, outlined it, uh, is is the most relevant point. Um, and when I reached out to members and asked them what else, what are the other trends they're seeing in there, I think you spoke to it, Trey. Um, customer convenience has to drive the business. So you spoke to the uh, ability for residents, uh, clients, to be able to uh, touch base uh, with an operations staff or a sales team or a property manager throughout the entire experience. And that's um, uh, really um, how the industry is evolving, that it need, everyone expects that immediacy. So using that technology to deliver that immediacy is critical to be able to compete 
with the uh, global travel. Yeah, that that immediacy mm-hmm. and consistency and kind of things going faster and faster and faster. So what do you what do you think that means for the future, Shree? As as you look out, what do you see changing? Certainly, as you said, things have all have been changing and they will continue to change. So how are demands, desires, and decisions changing in the future? And, and what are you doing to prepare for it? Sure. I mean, you know, this notion of changing demographics uh, in corporate travel really is going to affect our industry pretty significantly. Um, No surprises here, right? So millennials and now the whole Gen Z are a big catalyst for disruption within our industry. And, you know, these new this new breed of travelers is much more comfortable with technology. So. Um, kind of the side effect that, that I'm seeing in around kind of the new normal of convenience and immediacy is timeliness. So our guests expect immediate response, whether it's through online booking or through mobile apps. Um, and, and we talked about earlier all the way through their customer service interactions. So, you know, one of the things that I'm starting to see, um, and there's a Gartner study recently that 85% of all customer service interactions will be powered by chatbots uh, as soon as 2020. Uh, and that's just a couple of years away and certainly something we're prepared for now. Um, most of our customer service calls, and we've done some analysis on that, can be broken down into the 80-20 rule. That being that, that so you're thinking 80% of the 80% will be either chatbot or mediated mm-hmm. by technology, and 20% will be that human-to-human interaction. Yep. So mm-hmm. that the, the 80% of the questions are asked over and over and over again, and we can essentially train a chatbot to answer those. And this is really the best use of technology right now. It's automating easy questions. So how do I access my Wi-Fi? Um, you know, do you allow pets in your properties? Those sorts of questions that... Uh, are fairly easy to answer uh, without having a live agent. And then when the bot can answer a question, then we can basically transfer the conversation directly to a live agent. So we think that there's really a great opportunity here to increase customer satisfaction, uh, increase engagement with our brand and and loyalty, and then lower costs internally through automation. Um, And the whole millennial and Gen Z uh, age groups are becoming much more self-reliant, uh, and there's no doubt um, that they prefer solving problems on their own rather than having to talk to somebody and call for help. Um, and you see this in whether it's the frequently asked question sections on different websites mm-hmm. um, or, or automated chatbots, and you're seeing a big emergence of that. Um, so, I mean, this is kind of the next step for hoteliers, and you're starting to see this in a number of uh, kind of large hotel brands. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the need to integrate self-service options to meet these expectations uh, is going to be very key. So, yeah, that, that millennial and Gen Z, so the consumer, the, the consumer's expectations are not only about immediacy, but also technology. And you're meeting that by bringing in more technology, the use of chatbots and artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. And do you think that, uh, Marianne, do you think that the industry is, is comfortable with this? Do you think as they go out, where are you hearing people being okay with that? I, I think from a traditional kind of people industry that we're seeing, I think, maybe a, a big shift coming. Well, I've not heard specifically about the, the chatbot versus human interaction, but I, they, uh, I have heard a lot based on, uh, to go to your other point, Jerry, uh, about um, with the shift of individuals making their own arrangements uh, or just companies wanting to work more efficiently, uh, members are reporting to their go-to model is changing more B2C than B2B as it's been traditionally. So if that is the incorporation of chatbots to answer frequently asked questions um, and freeing up their customer service reps to handle the more uh, um, sensitive issues or complicated issues, um, that might be something they're seeing. But if People are seeing it in their everyday life, consumer life. That is going to bleed over into the industry. Yeah, and that's something we've said time and time again mm-hmm. on the podcast: is let humans be human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to use technology to do the the easy stuff, and just right. just let humans be human. And which is uh, you know qu- quite a quite a lovely kind of image of the future as people kind of go into the future, meeting that demand to again have that immediacy, but then also at the same time empowering them to mm-hmm. make their own decisions and be a part of the process. And then ultimately to, you know, bring in a human when when you actually need a human. Well, 
Shree, listen, thank you so much for being on Navigating the Noise. It was really, really helpful seeing what, what you and your organization was doing and getting your perspective on the future. We, we really appreciate it. Great. Well, I appreciate the time. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great time to be in this industry because of all the change. And uh, we're really happy with the progress that we're making here at Oakwood, uh, reinventing this industry. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome, everyone, to Section 3, Three Things to Do. This is the final section of the podcast where we analyze all of the conversations and the uh, things that we've heard throughout the entire show and give you three things to do, three pragmatic steps you can take today to prepare for tomorrow. And it was, a, I think, a really interesting show. I mm-hmm. think you're looking at the customers to, of tomorrow, lots of interesting perspectives, certainly. Very you know, different. Everything from, you know, from our expert, from... Uh, Julie Jensen Bennett, all the way down to um, you know all those all the different areas. I think it's just amazing. So, as we think about the customers of tomorrow, our three things to do. I think from Julie, I think we found our best one, mm-hmm. which is find your customers' true north. Mm-hmm. I think that concept is really powerful. That if you can understand your customer and find that things that drives them, not just their desire, not just what what moves them, but in the layers of their humanity, what they desire, what how they make decisions. If you can find that true north, your customers will not only come to you, but they'll come to you and they won't even know it. Mm-hmm. And, and she also mentioned the human relevance factor. I thought that was really interesting, and that ties back to um, some comments that members have made that they're smaller companies and they don't necessarily have the same resources at at their disposal. And so it forces them to think creatively to stay relevant to their their, uh, customer and their client base and to stay ahead of the curve and to uh, go ahead and innovate wherever uh, they can. So that was point number one. So their second thing to do is analyze. Analyze your process of how you're engaging and how you're communicating with people. Now, this could be customers, it could be employees, it doesn't really matter. That Understand that process and find out how you can enable those people to become participants in that process, that people are really going to expect that, that they're really going to want to be a part of the process and be able to give to it. Mm-hmm. And additionally, they want to know why providers are doing things a certain way. And so they want to know why they're doing it, why they're not doing it, what are the challenges that they need to overcome to, in order to deliver the guest experience and experience that they're expecting. Right. And number three, our third thing to do is rethink. Mm -hmm. So rethink how you interact and communicate with guests. Now, this can be broad, right? This is a this is a big area. And we always try to be very pragmatic here on the show. So that could be everything from understanding that you're moving from a B2B model to a Mm -hmm. B2C model. So how do you communicate with consumers? It could be something big and techy like chatbots. Like, do you use chatbots to answer 80 percent? of uh, consumer or people's questions and then have humans do 20%. But, you know, you may be a company, an organization that's smaller. You're not going to have chatbots. So it could be simple as go back and, and rethink your frequently asked questions, your FAQ, so that you're communicating with people in new and interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's something, uh, you know, I like that you brought out that they can just go back and rethink some of the things they're already doing, like their FAQs, because sometimes, um, even though the end user is expecting some kind of direct relationship with corporate housing company and their provider, um, providers don't always get those direct connections um, to their guests. So sometimes this is a challenge. Yeah, definitely. So that's it. Those are your three things to do. Find, analyze, and rethink. I, uh, you know, Marianne, I think it was a, you know, this is a good show. Good first show for show. season two. You know, it I, was. I, we're kind of getting, we're getting our sea legs back. It's really good. Uh, so thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, Marianne, do you want to uh, take us to the exit? I'd love to. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening to Navigating the Noise podcast brought to you by CHPA and supported by ASAP. So reach out to us and let us know what you, what else you'd like to hear, what else you'd like to ask BDJ or if you could help me just stump the futurist and email me some questions that we'll pose to him and see if we can stump him at map at chpaonline.org. Please follow us on Twitter at chpaonline or visit our website at chpaonline.org. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on Navigating the Noise, brought to you by CHPA and ASAP. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay.